right. Uh, my name is Sky Becker, and I am a healing and deliverance pastor here at New Philly, along with my husband, John Michael Becker. And I am very excited to preach to you the word of the night tonight. So, um, but I am going to ask you not to clap for me at the 35-minute mark, because I am going to finish on time. <laughs> I love you, PC. Uh, so, um, my small group girls asked me, what are you preaching on? So I told them, obedience. And then they said, ew. <laughs> I'm not going to call out names, but uh, yeah, but tonight I'm going to preach to you about obedience. And I want to bring to you a fresh outlook on obedience, especially because we're in this season of Solomonic administration. Because uh, I'm here to tell you that obedience is a key to this season of building. Are you ready to hear the word tonight? All right. Okay. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term Solomonic uh, season, like when I first heard the word Solomonic during uh, Pastor Christian's sermon, I thought he was saying Psalmonic, like the book of Psalms. And so like Psalmonic, like, yes, uh, season of joy or and praise. Yeah, you know, but um, no, it's actually <laughs> Solomonic, like that of King Solomon, uh, which means... Uh, King Solomon was the son of King David, which uh, God appointed him to build the temple for him. So when we refer to Solomonic season, we're talking about season of building rather than war, season of um, yeah, building. So, um, so the time of King David has passed, which was time of war. And now we're ready to build because uh, God has fully uh, uh, blessed and uh, and cover this house with new grace and new uh, peace and victory to to uh, build rather than to war. Amen? So I'm here to tell you today, once again, that obedience is the key to what season? Solomonic season. Okay? So, where am I? <laughs> Solomonic season. And it's a key because it's going to unlock God's guidance and wisdom, your obedience. And it's also going to open up heaven's blessings. So let's turn to today's scripture, Genesis 22, 15 to 18. And we're going to see what I'm talking about. And this is a classic story of obedience, of story of Isaac, Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac. And the passage we're going to read is right after when God stops Abraham before he kills his son. So let's read Genesis 22, 15. 2215. So let's read that all together. One, two, three. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. Amen. So Isaac was a son. God uh, blessed Abraham and Sarah. When Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old. Man, imagine waiting for a child for 100 years. Can you imagine? I mean, if this happened in a, I guess, a typical Korean family... Imagine what would happen. It's very, it's going to be disastrous, right? 
I mean, if I was say I was the girl that couldn't have a child for a hundred, not even a hundred, but one year, dang, my mother-in-law would go and do whatever she could to get me pregnant, right? <laughs> or like, you know, like uh, making me drink hanyak because they believe like Chinese medicine helps you have, you know, baby or whatnot. Or she could have gone prayed, you know, praying at a Buddhist temple for like a thousand days or something. You know, who knows what she could have done, right? But thank goodness, uh, Abraham and Sarah didn't have to do this. And God just blessed uh, Abraham. It was a long wait, but finally, after 100 years, he, he blessed them with a child. And not just a child, but a son. So this is not just a story about a couple who couldn't get, pre- who couldn't get a baby and God finally you know, just healing them and blessing them. But you're talking here about a generational blessing. And you're talking here about... A massive generation of blessing being birthed because it's not this son, through this son, not only a few generations were blessed, but thousands and millions of people uh, were blessed. So when you apply this story to us right now in our new Solomonic season, they will come forth our own Isaacs in our lives where we feel like we've been waiting for like 100 years. So what I mean by that is there will be things that God has promised you with before in your life, like your dreams, your calling, your family, where it's going to be a season of building now and things are going to happen. Or perhaps for some of us, it's already begun. And as we're in this season of and process of building, you will see your dreams and visions. God is going to start opening doors and you will see the family that you've been contending for for years and years for their salvation. God is finally opening their hearts, Right. So, um, and in the church of New Philly, we can definitely testify that God is building this house. Amen. Because we have, what, what, 96 10-year commitments in this house. 10-year commitments, if you don't know what it is, is uh, 10, you know, people commit to this house and and, uh, for the vision of this house for 10 years um, of their stay in Korea. And these people are the pillars and stones of New Philly. So God is definitely building this house. So whatever it is that you're building uh, in your life, which means it's your Isaac, and I'm gonna call, I'm gonna keep calling it Isaac, uh, even though you don't have a child. And Isaac here represents what God's promise. And whatever your Isaac is, I'm gonna, I'm here to tell you that what you do with um, your Isaac is far more important than the actual birth of Isaac. Let me say that again. What you do with your Isaac and how you raise your Isaac is far more important than the actual birth of your Isaac. And this is where obedience comes in as a key. So let's look at that passage again. Look what happens when Abraham obeyed God when God told him to sacrifice Isaac. The very thing God blessed him with after 100 years. You know, Abraham wasn't like, but God, you just gave me the son, you know, like, how come you tell me to sacrifice something? You bless me with blah, blah, blah. Like, Abraham did not do that. What did he do? He just simply obeyed. And what did God do? I'm going to read the passage again. He poured upon him more blessings. He said to Abraham that I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And that wasn't there when he first 
uh, made this covenant with Abraham a couple chapters before. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because why? Because you have obeyed my voice. So when God first uh, promised Abraham about all the blessings, he didn't word, use the word surely this many times. But he keeps saying, surely I will bless you. Surely I will multiply your offsprings. Why is God so set on, you know, his, his mind is so set on blessing this guy. What made him so set to bless this guy, Abraham? It's because God knew that Abraham was a, God, a guy who could lay down his son Isaac and entrust him and entrust Isaac to God. And because um, he knew that Abraham knew the fact that God is an omniscient God, all-knowing, and he is a God who works all things for the good of those who love him, according to Romans 8.28. Because God saw that Abraham had an obedient heart. So church, let's not be possessive with our Isaacs, but instead obey him with how God instructs us to raise him because we know for sure that whatever God tells us to do with our Isaac is not going to be as hard as what Abram had to do, right? You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. <laughs> so um, now that I've nailed it into you enough that you're supposed to obey to be blessed, uh, I want to talk about three things to keep in mind in order to rightly obey the voice of God. And I promise I'm going to end on time today. <laughs> so uh, first thing to keep in mind about obedience is if you want to obey the voice of God, you have to first tune out the voices of critics and doubters. So point number one is tune out the voices of critics and doubters. Did you know that every successful, mighty, obedient man in the Bible had a strong opposition come against his way before he was able to fulfill God's promise? Uh, you, don't, and you don't have to look that far. Like, um, when, uh, like the voice of doubts and criticism came even from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. I mean, Satan, when he came in the form of serpent... First thing he used to uh, confuse Eve from being on God's plan was giving her doubts. Are you sure? Are you sure God told you it's not okay to eat the fruit? Uh, you know? But um, so uh, the same way when it comes, in, in, it's the same way it can come in our ways when we are trying to follow the voice of God. So we get oppositions of doubts and criticisms, even sometimes from the closest people around us, like family. And um, for example, in 1 Samuel and the story of David and Goliath, which everyone's pretty familiar with the story, um, you know, David is this tiny uh, shepherd, and, and he heard about the, this Philistine named Goliath and how he's been harassing the Israelite army for like 40 days. And he came down to, uh, to the battlefield, and he, when he heard about what this guy is doing to this army of God, he got real mad. David was real mad. And uh, right before David is about to say to the king, King Saul, um, I'm going to go volunteer to fight this uncircumcised Philistine monster guy. Guess what? Guess who is the one that attacks him with criticism and doubt in that very moment? It's his oldest brother, Eliab. 
And Eliab, this is what Eliab says to David. Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Oh, sheep is singular. I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. So Eliab was basically telling David, hey kid, why didn't you just stay and watch those sheep? Because it's very important. Um, and uh, you're so irresponsible to leave those sheep and come down here to watch the battle. You know, you're so evil. You don't know what you're doing. And these are the voices that we often hear sometimes when we try to do the very thing God told us to do, right? And another example uh, in the Bible, Joseph. Long story short, he got sold as a slave by his very own brothers for sharing about the dreams that God has given to him. But see how these men turned out. They didn't even bother to listen to these uh, criticisms and, and doubts. You know, if they had listened to them, they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't have become uh, the second greatest man in Egypt, like Joseph. And David wouldn't have even gone to the battle if he even listened to the brother's voice. And I want to share a short story about my life, my story of criticism and doubts. So when I graduated from uh, college, I was working as a graphic designer for about a year. And um, well, while I was working, God, strong, God, God spoke to me so strongly that I'm supposed to drop everything and go to Korea. So I was like, are you serious? But uh, God spoke to me about this nation's spirit of suicide and how we need to fight against this uh, spirit of suicide. And, and uh, also, he put on my heart just a heart for entertainment uh, ministry as well. That there are so many entertainers who need shepherding and God's love. And um, all these things he spoke to me throughout, like, a um, couple months period of time. So I needed to really pray about it. I needed to really see God's um, confirmations to know that this was really God. So after a couple months, I finally got the confirmation. And I told my boss, uh, my Greek boss, and his name is Mr. Sarkadoulas. And uh, so I sat with him in his office. And I, and I was like, uh, well, I called him by his first name, Elias. So I told him, hey, Elias, <laughs> so Greek. Well, I love him. Uh, he, I was like, Elias, uh, I think I'm going to quit my job. And, uh, you know, I'll give you as many weeks of, no, you know, like uh, notice as, you know, as possible. And he said, why? So I told him, I didn't want to explain all these things about how God gave me a prophetic dream and prophetic sign. So I just told him, I'm going to go work for the church when I go home and I'm going to do God's work and ministry when I go. And he's like, why? <laughs> he just didn't get it. I'm like, what are you doing? So he looked at me with such look like he was saying, you a foolish child. You know, like you don't know what you're doing. Just like how Eliab was looking at Joseph, uh, David. So, you know, he, he tried so many times to stop me from coming to Korea and quitting my job. He just never received my words as an actual, you know, like notice. So I kept working and working, and he's just trying to keep me. So um, I just had to tell him finally, hey, I really got to go to Korea, so let me go. So, <laughs> so uh, he's like, fine, you know, if this is what you think is right to do, but I really don't think it's a good idea. I think it's, some, it's something kind of spur, you know, it's out of the spur of moment. Like, you don't know what you're doing kind of thing. But he finally let me go, and... You know, even my parents blessed me to come here. 
But, you know, oppositions and doubts come your way from places you don't even expect sometimes. So, um, but church, we got to know that these criticisms and doubts, they only, they're only Satan's tool to get you off of God's plan. Because um, he's jealous of what? He's jealous of what you're capable of doing when God calls you to do something. And sometimes he knows even better than we, we do about how much capability we have when we are following the voice of God. And uh, Joel Austin in his book, It's Your Time, he says that the enemy always fights you the hardest when he knows that God has something great in store. And he wants to put, so he wants to put static in your head and in your tomb with the Lord because he knows so much and so well that we are capable of doing what God tells us to do. But church, we are a victor, not a victim. We're never a victor. I mean, we're never a victim, but we're always a victor. I love uh, what Joseph says when he meets his brothers after, you know, 10 something years. And finally, he meets the very own brothers who sold him into slavery. And I love what Joseph says to him. He says, don't be troubled by the fact that you sold me into slavery because it wasn't you. It was God setting me up so that I could save you guys from this famine, so I could save my family from this famine. And that's how we got to look at all these doubters and critics, that it's, it's only a setup for us to excel. It's only a setup that we, um, yeah, that is trying to stop us from doing the part that we are called to do. So turn to your neighbor and say, I hear no critics and doubters. No doubters, no critics. Now, here is my point number two. Who can guess? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is like, so my point number two is, not all right things, quote-unquote right things, are God things. And this means that even if you are about to do something that seems biblically right or morally right, if it's not in God's timing and under his blessing, it's not from the Lord. And um, you know what we call when, when we call it when someone tries to do the right thing apart from God? We call it a, right, a, a religious spirit. We call it a religious spirit when you try to do something that is righteous apart from God. So, for example, I know a brother that's uh, really that has a really uh, tremendous uh, financial favor. And no, I'm not going to give you his phone number. <laughs> stay, stay away. But um, so, so his story is that right after his college, you know, he did like some sort of business, and he was able to make a ton of money pretty easily, and of course with the favor of God. And um, so to a point right now, he's able to live off of his savings and also support ministries and, um, yeah, that he doesn't need to really work that much, but, you know, he's still able to bless other people. So he invited my husband and I to his apartment, and it's pretty nice. And um, we were talking about, you know, different uh, storing money and financial blessings and whatnot, and I love what he said about uh, money. He said, we need to be ready to store the wealth when God gives it to us, which means giving when he says give and not give when he says not to give. 
It's pretty simple, right? It says give when God says to give and not give when he says not to give. Which means if this guy was to be asked by some, you know, chari- charity um, fund, charity company or charity group to support like 100 starving orphans in Africa, but God tells him, no, you're to give that money to the new church building, he's going to have to give that money to the new church building, not 100 starving orphans. Right? I mean, when we look at it from humanly point, we think that this is more righteous thing to do. Hundred starving orphans. But when God is not blessing that path, then it's not of the Lord. So obedience is, you know, something very simple, but we try to make it or the enemy tries to make it very complicated. This sounds like somebody's sermon from Friday, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm not copying, where's Gina? I'm not copying. Uh, we just hear the same God. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and another story I want to share is that my husband and I, after we got married, there was one command God gave to us, which was so hard to follow and obey, which was um, rest. So after, right after we got married till like beginning of this year, I think we had a season of just God learn like wanting to teach us how to rest but it was the hardest thing to do because we were you know john michael's been on doing ministry or especially orphanage ministry he's a missionary here in korea so we've been always working 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 and um you know even though you know when i was in the states i was doing work 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 as well so when god said you know just don't do much right now it felt guilty it felt like i'm not being righteous or i'm not being productive you know i'm not being useful for the kingdom of god so it was very very hard to rest because you guys know that rest is not about what you're doing it's about how you feel you know even you may be at you know beach in hawaii but if your mind is constantly running with all these things you're not at rest you know so what we were doing is we were we really had to learn to submit to the word rest I didn't know that resting could be so hard. When God says, you don't do anything because this is what I tell you to do. When our flesh is wanting to do, 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 so we can feel good about it. You know, God was saying no. So we really had to learn how to rest. And um, another example is that John Michael and I are planning on building orphanages in North Korea when it opens up. And people always ask him, hey, are you going to go in like right as uh, North and South reunifies? And he says no, because if we uh, go in without God's covering, we're, we're never going to step a foot into that country unless God gives us a green light. That's what we always tell them. Because if we go in without God's covering and God's timing, you know, we're asking to do a ministry that is godless. And that's the last thing we want to do, because we can do nothing apart from his grace. We can do nothing apart from his strength that he gives to us. So um, so when um, God was leading the Israelites out of the Egypt in Exodus, he went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel day by, by day and by night. And when you look at that, man, how sweet is our God? He is so sweet, and he's such a father that he is not going to let you 
go behind, uh, be, uh, go before him because he's always going to pave the way for you. So he's, I want us to really receive this father's heart that he has for us, that he will never see us go astray because we belong to him as a child of God. So he will never uh, lead us, let us be led astray when he calls us to do something for him. He's not going to be like, all right, go do your thing. You know, you're on your own, you know, and that's such a grace. That's such a grace. So church, do the God things, not the right things, not the quote unquote right things. Be, be ready to drop whatever it is. It seems right if God says otherwise. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to do the God thing. <laughs> wow, I'm going really fast. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell more stories. <laughs> I made the sermon um, exactly on time because we were supposed to go watch the baseball game today. <laughs> but um, anyway, so my third point, <laughs> having too much fun up here. So my third point is, and last point, but most important point I want to mention is, be obedient to who God says you are. The point number three, be obedient to who God says you are. So how many of you guys know, I know I'm mentioning my husband a lot. It's because he's my husband. And uh, how many of you guys know Pastor John Michael's famous uh, identity of Christ list? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who can tell me some of them? Yes, I'm fearless. Yeah, I'm a new creation. I am untouchable. Yeah, good. Good job, church. <laughs> Good job. We all do our homeworks. I'm a bride of Christ. Yes. Yeah. I'm a treasure possession. I am loved by the Father. I am sealed and anointed with the Holy Spirit. I'm a temple of God. I'm a friend of God, salt and light of the earth, on and on. And do you know that this identity list is not made up? It's not some list that Pastor John Michael put up together so that he could encourage you here and there, you know. And it's also not our goal list. We got to understand that it's not our goal list. And what this identity list is, this is, a, this is what the word of the living God, our Abba Father, calls us. But oftentimes, we find it really hard to accept this truth. And, you know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. What? You know, uh, you know, we do that to ourselves. And I am a priest of God. What? I'm no priest. I'm not no priest. You know. And some of us, we believe it for a time, but we, at other times, we feel like we have to somehow earn it or achieve it. Like I was that when I was feeling that this way or this high with God, but right now I don't feel like I'm this. Right. But that's not true. And if it's hard to believe who God says you are, like this list of identities, then you just have to obey it first and, and, and submit to his word before you start truly believing it. You know, Pastor Christian sometimes says, fake it until you make it. Right? We have to first obey to his word that he, what he calls us, this is true. This is not about, you know, I feel like it or I don't feel like it, but it's about obedience. 
It's about obedience. When you accept and, and obey the identity that God calls you, who you are, that's obedience. And, you know, imagine, like, I had, my, I had a son, and um, he, he looks at me, and he's like, you know, Mom, I'm not your son. You know, I, I'm not made in your image. I don't have your good characters and, you know, personalities, so I can't do what you tell me to do. I'm just not capable of doing that. You know, I'm not going to look at him and be like, oh, son, you're so humble. No, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You know, humbleness, it's not humbleness. You're denying your true identity in Christ is not humbleness. Because, you know, if my child did that to me, it would break my heart. You know, when I clearly see the, all the you know, capacities of my child, but he tells me, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not your son. That's not, that's not humbleness. So church, it's not humbleness when you deny your true identity. It's flat out disobedience. Church, you're sons of God. You have inherited everything you need to build and to raise your Isaac. That is your DNA. And that's undeniable. And that's something you have to obey. Turn to your neighbor and say, I will be obedient to God. Uh, I will be obedient to who God says I am. It's kind of long. So who can remember the three points? (laughs) I love you guys too. One, tune out the voices of critics and doubters. And number two, not all God, all right things are God things. And last point was be obedient to who God says you are. So let me end with this. Um, since we're talking about building a lot, uh, let me give you a building analogy because I studied ar- architecture. So let me utilize my degree here. Yes. So... Um, you see this wall. <laughs> Pretend that this is a wall of a building, and I will teach you how this wall is built. Okay? So you take a piece of brick, and you lay it on a foundation. And you, you put what's called a mortar. You guys know what mortar is? It's a mixture that bonds, you know, cements and, and different things. So you put that all around the brick, and you put another piece of brick next to it. And what do you do? Put more mortar on it, right? And then you put another brick on top, another mortar, brick on top, and another mortar. See, now you didn't have to have an architectural degree to know that. (laughs) That's what I, I didn't even study that in my college. But anyways, what I want to say to you (laughs) is that mortar here, it represents our obedience. And every brick is our every step of building. So if um, you, don't put a, a, you don't put mortar around every step that you take, which is, you know, uh, obedience all around your brick, this building is not going to last. It's going to fall apart. The same thing when we try to build something for God and for his kingdom. If we don't smother a layer of mortar obedience all around every step of the way, 
everything we try to do for God, it's not going to be a sturdy building. It's going to fall apart. So don't let no debris of doubts, criticisms, religious spirit, or false identities get into your way. And we got to know, church, that God is far more committed and dedicate, dedicated to finishing that temple than you are. He is more dedicated because he's the one that called you to do it. So we got to be able to entrust whatever we're building, whatever Isaac is, into God's hands because he is the master of it all. So church, let's truly entrust our Isaac to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, that you give us uh, dreams and callings in our lives that, that you know you are going to complete. And you know you're going to help us on the way, every step of the way, as we obey your voice, Lord. And as we follow your ways, God, that you will complete the building. Father, whether it is our uh, family salvation, Lord, or whether it is a ministry that you called us to, called us into, when you call us, um, when you call us, Lord Father God, light of the world and when you bring us into those places dark places we know lord father god that's our identity lord we know Lord father god identity in you god and we pray father that you will establish that establish us in that identity every single day god and allow us to entrust our isaacs to you lord allow us lord father god to trust in you for everything father you're a god who makes all things for the good of those who love you god so we love you father tonight we just pray, Father, that we will obey you with love. We will obey you with joy. And we will obey you, Father God, not because we have to, because we know, Father, that you are such a good God. You're such a good God.